a message on the Ark of the Covenant. I love the Ark of the Covenant. I, I, I love the tabernacle because uh, I, my area of, um, I won't say expertise, but one of my favorite areas is sculpture, sculpting. Um, and uh, I love to sculpt, and, and I love the beauty of the tabernacle as a pattern of the things of heaven. More importantly, as a pattern of Christ Jesus himself. And so just quickly, I want to share with you some promises and the hope of what this tabernacle is, and specifically the Ark of the Covenant and what it points to for us. If you'll remember, uh, it's an Ark. An Ark is just a fancy word for box, a container. You'll remember that uh, Noah was to build an Ark, literally a huge container to hold a uh, the animals of creation in during the flood. If you'll remember, uh, Moses' mother made an ark uh, to put Moses in, to put him down the Nile so that he'd be protected. And then God commanded Moses to make an ark to put in the covenant of the Ten Commandments and a few other things within the tabernacle in the Holy of Holies. So the ark of the covenant is the container of God's promises. Now, we know according to John 1.14 that the Word of God became flesh and tabernacled among us. That word dwelt in the English is the Hebrew word for tabernacled. Jesus is the Ark of the Covenant. He is the Word embodied, the promises of God, the commandments of God, the law of God, the love of God. Everything that is in God dwells in Him bodily, Colossians 1.9 says. For every promise, the treasures of knowledge and wisdom dwell in Him. The fullness of the Godhead dwells in Him bodily. He is the ark. He's that covenant. And so when we look at the reference of the ark of the covenant and we look at the pictures of what was brought into it, we can see a greater picture and revelation of Jesus Himself. And simply that's what I want to bring to you today is the beauty and the glory of Jesus. And so within the ark there were three things put within this container, within this box, as a covenant reminder for the people of Israel as it was put in the Holy of Holies, the place only the high priest could go. Number one was Aaron's staff. Number two, the hidden manna of God. And number three, the law of God. Those were contained in that box so that this testament and this will of the promise of God would remain with the people whenever they moved and went that covenant, that ark went and it was the presence of God with them again Jesus tabernacled with us for 33 years so that he could eventually put all of his promises and all of his virtue and nature in what in us so that we've become an ark of his covenant and so we're going to take a look at each one of these first of all the 10 commandments now we don't know if we know that they're, we call them tablets of stone. The Bible calls them tablets. I don't know if they had an ark to the top, you know, and it looked like this. Uh, one rabbi suggested that they were rock in a, in a hexagon form and uh, that you held them like this. I don't know, like bocce balls or something. It could be any form in which they, they were written on. But what do the Ten Commandments speak to us of? It's the covenant promises of God. They're the promises of God. It's a covenant he made with the nation of Israel. And it's, the law was added to the promise of Abraham. 
And so this promise and these commandments were added to the promise of Abraham, so it filled out even more promises that God says, I will be with you. My word stays with you. Be stewards of these words. My promises of our, are for you and with you. And so God says, as long as you keep this covenant, I will be your God, you will be my people. God was good on his end. How about the other side? Israel continued to fail, didn't they? But God said, I'm putting it in a box. You meet me at this box. And when you fail, I will cover you. And so he instituted the sacrificial system so that the blood could atone or cover for Israel's failures so that God could keep his promises with the people. I don't know how many of you have failed in God's promises. How many of you have failed to stay faithful to the Lord in thought, in mind, in deed, in action, in attitude, and in word. But we need something to cover us. How about it? How about a perpetual covering once for all? And that's the blood of Jesus Christ. So that every promise of God is yes in Jesus and amen that we speak to. And so this covenant promise is with Israel wherever they go. And so you can't come against Israel only unless Israel fails that law to which the enemy is prowling and waiting to see when they fail so they could come in. God, in fact, uses other nations as a spanking stick to get them in order so that they'd restore their covenant relationship. But God said, I'm never leaving, I'm never forsaking. Christ literally fulfilled the law of God and became that law for us fulfilled. Now the other aspect is this. The hidden manna. God said that I want you to take the manna that was provided for you in the wilderness, put it in a jar, and put that within the Ark of the Covenant. It's called the hidden manna. It's the manna of testimony. It testifies that God is our provision. He provided. So the law of God in that Ark were the promises of God. The manna in that Ark is the provision of God. So all the promises are yes in Christ Jesus. He's he's not going to fail you. He is here for you. He's that promise of the law of God fulfilled. Now, what about the manna? Jesus said in John 6, I am the manna. Moses gave you angel food. Moses gave you manna from heaven. But I am the heaven. I am the manna from heaven. Come down. Take of my body and eat. He's the hidden manna. And so... It's a representation of the provision of Christ. He's the bread of life. He's the Word of God that abides and rests in us. And it says in Revelation chapter 2, as Jesus was speaking to the church at Pergamos, He said, He who has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who conquers or overcomes, I will give of the hidden manna. And I will give him a white stone and with a new name written on that stone that no one knows except the one who receives it. So God himself, Jesus says that I'm going to give you of that hidden manna. That manna, what is he going to give us? That manna that was in the Ark of the Covenant. The Jews understood what that was. What is it in the book of Revelation? What is it when we enter into the fullness of our redemption in heaven with Jesus Christ? What are we going to get to partake of? Christ himself. We are his body, and so we're going to receive Jesus, and we shall see him as he is, as we are known, and we will be like him. 
and He's going to give us Himself. I love that about God. He's not going to give us... You know, we look at heaven and we look at the, the banqueting table and we imagine, ooh, what could be on that table? It doesn't matter what's on the table. You're with Him. Ooh, I wonder what it's going to look like, streets of gold. Who cares gold on the streets? It's like concrete. It doesn't matter. We're going to have a room, a mansion made in glory for us. Who cares? He's our home. He's our house. All of it is, is a picture of Christ, of, of being one with God. Father, make them one as you and I are one. We can't comprehend that. So he's got to talk about dressing us, feeding us, clothing us, this and that, because that's what we get. But all of it's him. He's the hidden manna. He's what was the treasure of heaven that feeds us. He's our provision. He is Christ in us, the hope of glory. That manna now is put in this jar, this clay vessel. Now I have the hidden manna of God in me. He'll give us a white stone with a new name written on it. What's, that's great. I got a rock. What'd you get? <laughs> What's a white stone? What's the rock for? Well, a white stone in, in the justice system at that time, when there was a, a verdict that was going to be made, you get to cast your vote in the Senate, and what they would cast is either a white stone or a black stone. If you're guilty and condemned, the black stone goes out. If you're innocent and now justified and cannot be held in, uh, uh, against you, you are given a white stone. And so we're given a white stone. We've been justified. Therefore, we have peace with God justified by God the Father because of what Christ did for us. And the new name is the name that God has given you. This name that He calls you by every day, every morning He wakes you up. You don't know what it is. You think you're Bill or Ted or Lois, but you're not. You're a name that He's given you, so unique to Him. When He calls you that, I believe when we get there, it's going to resonate in you. You're going to realize, this is who I am. Everybody called me Tim, but He calls me this. And it's like, yeah, that's me. I was always in pursuit of it. I always thought of it. I always couldn't grasp it, but it's me. And you've given me that name. Your father, your mother named you, but your father in heaven has given you a name that is so precious and so intimate to you. And I think when we get there and we realize what your name is, and you'll go, Billy, you're really that? Oh, I could see it in you. Really, right now, we're just seeds of the flower we're going to become. Ah, the hidden manna is the provision of God. So we've got His promises. We've got His provision. And last of all, you had Aaron's rod in that ark. If you'll remember, God had called Aaron to be the high priest, the mediator, so that there would be someone who could mediate between God and the people. When they failed, the mediator would encourage them and speak the promises of God of restoration and help them mend in relationship to God. And that was Aaron in the priesthood. And I don't know if you remember the rebellion that they had against Aaron. They said, hey, how about us? We're just as good as that guy. Uh, obviously, it's because he's your brother. You know, family. Put him in because of family so he gets the, the wage you get. But God had called Aaron and he said, all right, everybody, that, all the leaders, uh, bring your staves of the 12 tribes. All of you bring your staves and you come before the Lord and stand there. And as you stand there, we'll see who God called to be the high priest. 
And so their staffs are there. And overnight, Aaron's staff buds the almond blossom. Now, the almond blossom is a very distinct flower to Israel, and it's very uh, important because it is the first blossom of spring. The almond tree blossoms first before all other blossoms, and what it does is it speaks to the concept that God is going to bear fruit. It's the first testimony of a fruitful harvest. And so Aaron's rod blossomed. In Jeremiah 1.12, God asked Jeremiah, what do you see, Jeremiah? He turns and he says, I see almond blossoms. And he says, you're right, Jeremiah. And he says, for I will watch over my word to perform it. Just as the almond is the, is the blossom that watches over spring, it's the promise of a good springtime, it's a promise that there will be budding and there will be fruitfulness, God says, I am promising fruitfulness over the line of Aaron, the high priest. We have a high priest that's greater than the Arianic priesthood. We have a high priest after the order of Melchizedek. We have an eternal high priest, one that forever will be faithful to mediate God's promises and God's provisions to us. A priesthood that will never fade and never die. And this mediation and this provision of the Lord Jesus Christ is yours today. And the blossom is there. It's life and life abundantly. For he blossomed from the grave and rose out of that grave to declare that he is a priest who will always mediate on your behalf. And that's our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, that's what's inside the Ark of the Covenant. But what's on top of it is important as well. There was a lid that went on it called the mercy seat. How many of you know what you do on a seat? Thank you. You sit. You're enthroned. You sit on this seat. It's, a, it's the top, but on the cover of the mercy seat. Now, that speaks of mercy. When, when you have the Ten Commandments, which is the law of sin and death, when, in other words, it is the holy presence of God, and no man can live up to that. You need something before you get to the law. You need mercy, don't we? Didn't we realize that we need something between the holiness of God and our sinfulness? And the thing that stands between the holiness of God and our sinfulness is the mercy of the Lord. And that mercy covered the covenant of His provision, His priest, and His promises. That covenant seat, that mercy seat, had two angels on it. They're called cherubim. If you look through Scripture, you'll see that the cherubim are the covering cherubim. They're, are, they're, they're the protective force of God. They're the army of God. They're the mighty warriors of God. And they cover the reverence and holiness of God. They surround the throne. Just as in the Garden of Eden, God sent the cherubim to guard that gate into the tree of life. You see the same picture here. And in the center of those two cherubim before Eden, there was a flaming sword. It's very interesting to look into the Hebrew to the meaning of that flaming sword as it swept and moved on fire and burned. Isn't it interesting that when Jesus is seen in the book of Revelation, what comes out of his mouth? A two-edged sword. The Word of God. 
And so on this mercy seat are the two angels, and it says that their wings cover and touch each other, and their faces continually look down on that mercy seat. They are always watching. They are always looking to execute the will of God. When God needed to bring destruction, He would bring the angels to do His bidding of judgment. And as they're looking on the mercy seat, they're face down, hallowed, covering the holiness of God. There was one thing that's always supposed to be on that mercy seat. Once a year, the high priest was to come in with the blood. And when he would come in, he would sprinkle the blood, guess where? On the mercy seat. So as those angels were watching for the blood, watching for the blood, watching for the blood. How many of you remember when they left Egypt to head into the promised land, that angel, the death angel came, and what was it watching for? The blood. The blood. And so if you need mercy from God, He will provide it. But there is only one place of provision for mercy. It is the blood, the blood, the blood, the blood of Jesus Christ. That's our mercy. That's our cleansing. Exodus 25, I'll read it to you. Verses 17 to 22. You shall make a mercy seat of pure gold. Two and a half cubits shall be its length and a cubit and a half its width. And you shall make two cherubim of gold. Of hammered work you shall make them at the two ends of the mercy seat. Make one cherub at one end, the other cherub at the other end. You shall make the cherubim at two ends of it of one piece with the mercy seat. And the cherubim shall stretch out their wings above, covering the mercy seat with their wings. And they shall face one another, and the faces of the cherubim shall be toward the mercy seat. You shall put the mercy seat on top of the ark, and the ark you shall put the testimony that I will give you. And that's what we spoke of, his testimony, his promises, his provision, and his priesthood. His word, his provisions, and his mediation. And you shall put it inside as a testimony of who God is. And they did that. And there I will meet with you. I will speak with you from above the mercy seat and between the two cherubim which are on the ark of the testimony about everything which I give you in commandment to the children of Israel. So God would speak. His presence was there. His testimony is, this is what I have provided for you. This is what I've done for you. And this is where I'll meet you. And I'll tell you what to do in the future. You can count on your past in how God has acted for you in His mediation, in His provision, and through His promises. You can be sure that there is a testimony in your life of what God did. But God wants to be speaking now. He's not just a God of the past. He says, I'm going to meet with you in my presence. And so he would meet above the mercy seat and between the wings of the cherubim. Literally, when the priest would go in or Moses would go in, God would speak, his Shekinah presence would speak from between the wings and above the mercy seat and begin to declare. Many believe that it was through the Urim and Thummim that the high priest had in the pouch of the ephod of the high priest. And it would radiate and begin to speak into that person's life. And Moses, and and he would speak as a friend. He would hear God. What a mystery. You can hear God. My sheep know my voice. 
Jesus speaks to us now in the presence. He put his very spirit within us. Why? So he'd speak to us. Between the past and what he did, and between the present of what he wants us to do, to speak of a hope and a future of where we're going, he'll direct our paths. Jesus is the word, the mediator, the promise, and the provision for all of us in this ark. And he radiates, out of your innermost being shall flow, what? Rivers of living water. And you'll prophesy and you'll speak. And you'll declare the oracles of God. And as he had done that then, he does it now. 1 Samuel 4, 4, the people sent men to Shiloh and they brought back the ark of the covenant of the Lord Almighty who was enthroned between the cherubim. Numbers 789, and when Moses went into the tent of meeting to speak with the Lord, he heard the voice speaking to him from above the mercy seat that was on the ark of testimony and between the two cherubim and it spoke to him. And so God speaks through this mercy seat. God meets the provision of mercy and forgiveness through the blood, and He speaks. Look, a lot of people get saved and they think, okay, i got to do the rest myself and work this out. No! That blood covers you, so now you can hear God as He embodies you and dwells in you. He can direct your paths. He can direct your thoughts. He can lead and guide you into a hope and a future. And His presence is here. That Shekinah, that glory would come and rest over the ark. They could see it over the tabernacle and rest. And I want you to know that cloud of fire, that pillar, would come down through the top of that tabernacle. And between the two wings, it would come down onto the mercy seat and it would come out between the wings to speak. That Holy Spirit is what we have in us from heaven now, dwelling in us, coming forth out of us. Now we've got to be that ark and that covenant. And that's who Christ is. And that's what's so exciting. On the day of Christ's crucifixion, His death, He cried, It is finished! He fulfilled the law to perfection. He provided that bread of life, His body, for the provision of our eternal life to eat that bread. And He is the priest that mediated between God and man to mend together what was torn apart so that as he became the Ark of the Covenant fulfilling it, the veil in the temple was ripped in two, exposing this Ark. Because now it's just a piece of furniture. Exposed and finished, completed. And don't you know, I love this, that when Peter and John ran into the Ark I'm sorry, to the gravesite where Jesus was buried and the stone was rolled away. John uh, 20 verses one, uh, John 20 verse 12 says, uh, "When Mary went in, she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus was laid, one at the head and one at the foot. What does that remind you of? Two cherubim, two angels at the head and at the foot of where Jesus had laid. The mercy seat was there. The body's not there anymore. He's risen. The high priest is now mediating in heaven before God on your behalf. What I'm here to do today is to tell you that Jesus is our priest, Jesus is our promise, Jesus is our provision, and Jesus is the presence of God. All of that now in you 
a new ark to carry the very presence of God and to speak His mysteries and will to a people, to remember the testimony that is now unique to you and in your life of His provisions, of His providence, of His presence. No one here is lacking anything from Christ except if you've not asked Him to be your Savior. If there is anyone here this morning that we could put all of this into, it would be a person who has not accepted Christ. I really want to give this to you. It's a free giveaway. This morning, you're the winner. You can have the testimony of God's goodness throughout your whole life. You can have His promise, every promise. You can have His word and every provision that He will sustain you and feed you. You're going to go through a lot in this life, and if you don't have Christ, you need Him now. Is there anyone this morning that says, I want Jesus, I haven't had Him before. Right now, I want to ask Him as my Lord and Savior. Anybody here that has never asked Christ, this is yours right now. You just have to stand up. Well, if you can't stand up in here, you're not going to stand up out there. So it's really simple. We want to cheer you on. We want to celebrate with you that God's going to put and make you an ark of His covenant. Anybody? Anybody this morning? So what I have to figure out from this is that everybody here is an ark of the covenant. You are an ark of the covenant. Stand with me. Say it with me. I am an ark of God. I'm the ark of the covenant. I hold His Word, I hold His presence, I hold His promises, I hold His provisions. I will give it away freely to anyone who asks. Amen and amen. Let us celebrate God. Let's thank Him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let us worship the Lord. He's worthy of praise.